You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolize Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 133 of One Mike. I am Dwayne Steinel, joined by the most famous redhead in all of Buffalo, New York. That doesn't live in Buffalo, entirely. I don't know if that's true. I was trying to think if that's true or not. Maybe Brian Campbell? I don't know. I mean, yeah, for say, he's not from Buffalo. For say, oh yeah, from Buffalo. I mean, yeah, I, I can't think of another guy that's. Yeah, I mean, I'll take that. <laughs> What's going on, bud? Not too much. It's really hot out here, man. Dog days of summer. It's yeah, it's it's been an absolute scorcher here in Buffalo, man. And uh, hate this I've time hated, of year. I've hated it every every single second. Of it, I, I I hate the heat. I hate the extreme heat. I can't do it. Same. Um, grew up in a rink, so I'm I'm not I'm yeah not quite used to this myself. But yeah, yeah, climate change. It's brutal. Yeah, it sucks. It definitely sucks. It exists and it sucks. Um, but you know, just actually before we went live, I had a moment of like straight stupidity. So, um, I bought uh, Chips Ahoy, the Reese's Cup flavored Gyps Ahoy. And I was super pumped to eat some, open a package and I always drink it with milk and I live by myself. So I just drink it out of the carton because who, who cares? You know, <laughs> I drink it out of the, the gallon jug and I bought a whole bunch of different stuff, things to drink while shopping. And for whatever reason, while eating these cookies out of the package, um, I open the, uh, the, the half gallon thing of Tropicana is, chug that with a mouthful of cookies oh boy. instead of the milk and when i tell you it was so gross dude it was so disgusting i spit cookies all over this the front of my fridge so bad oh, so bad that's really tough sorry to hear that yeah it was it was a rough look for sure glad i lived by myself so nobody could else experience that <laughs> horror um and honestly sin of cookie eating but um Anyways, man, obviously not a lot of hockey news, but some big hockey news. Um, a guy, and I, and I worded this in a tweet earlier, and, um, you know, as a Red Sox fan, I fucking hate the Yankees. But there are players on the Yankees you can't help but respect, and it's impossible to hate. And those two guys, for me, were always, um, I would say, obviously Derek Jeter and Mariano Rivera. Um, just impossible for you to hate those two guys. Just can't do it. Um, who is the catcher? Uh, Posada. Uh, Jorge Posada. Jorge Posada either. Like, you know what I mean? Like a couple guys, but mostly those two, first two. I, I would say that there is a pretty sizable hatred 
even before this season for the Boston Bruins outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Like I, I, I feel that uh, actually before we continue, um, the Blackhawks have announced the sudden passing of their owner, Rocky Wirtz. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. I am going to save my feelings for that until uh, after we get through um, the good stuff in remembering Patrice Bergeron's career because I'm going to need a little bit to talk about that. Anyways, um, but, you know, spoiler alert, I was talking about Patrice Bergeron. I think that he is a guy that um, is impossible to hate. I just can't. The, the, the guy is so stand-up, more so away from the ice than on the ice. Um, you all remember last season, Tage was having some family issues. His wife was rushed to the hospital. I want to say it was blood clots. I could be wrong. Uh, before the opening face-off, he went up to Tage and offered his, you know, support. And, you know, I remember it was a thing. Or I don't know if it was the opening face-off. It might have been, like, I don't think it was the opening. It might have been uh, the second period opening face-off. But people thought that maybe it was, you know, hey, you know, nice. Most people thought it was for a play he made in the previous period. Uh, but it wasn't. It came out later. Lance Lasowski reported that he was offering his support and making sure he was okay. Uh, with what happened with his wife. Um, and that's just a testament to the type of guy he was, um, the human being he was. Uh, you never heard a bad thing about him, even on the ice, man, and one of the most least penalized players in his time in the NHL. Uh, you know, I don't think I could ever remember Patrice Bergeron ever getting into a fight, ever making a dirty play, not that I can remember at least. Um or just, you know, doing some of the things that his teammate, Brad Marchand, gets criticized for, you know. And, uh, you know, a couple clicks for Patrice Bergeron in his career because he's a guy that I think you could model any player coming, any kid getting wanting to come into the game of hockey could model their game off of because he is the definition of a complete hockey player. Virtually was nominated for the Selkie Trophy every single season, won it six times, won a Stanley Cup, two gold medals, a, a junior championship, and over a 1,000 points. Um, but again, I, I think so. Uh, the person he was away from the rink was even better than the person he was on the rink. Yeah, I'd say so. And the person he was on the rink was, was incredible. I mean, he's objectively one of the best – defensive forwards in the history of the game. Yeah. Um, Six-time Selkie winner, three-time All-Star, like you said, Stanley Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, um, stayed with the Bruins his entire career, almost 1,300 games. Um, I think he was one of seven players left in the league that had played a playoff series against the Sabres. And, <laughs> give, and given how long it's been, that's really, really saying something. I think there's only yeah. six left now, and unfortunately, Milan Lucic is one of them. Um, Back with the Bruins. Yeah, he's he's been around forever. Um, he's like you said, like he's unhateable. He played the game with a level of respect and understanding that not a lot of guys do. Uh, I think, especially in the younger generation these days, like it's a little bit more about personal statistics and flashiness and uh, getting your name out there and getting your profile and your hockey DB and your elite prospects and your highlights out there, rather than make the responsible defensive 
defensive play, especially as uh, a forward. And he always did that. Um, he legitimately is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think that's without question. Um, and that's coming from a lot for a guy who didn't put up that incredible of numbers. Um, I think, I mean, maybe that's a debate. I don't think it is personally, given like how much he gave to the game of hockey and how much of an impact he had. But I would put him in first ballot. First ballot uh, for sure. And um, I think a, I think a lot of people would too. And it's probably not a debate. I hope that he's Canadian too. Yeah, I mean, I think that helps regardless. But no, he's now he's the man, and I think um, it was pretty incredible uh, the changing of the guard, so to speak, when uh, Dylan Cousins stripped him uh, when they were in Boston on New Year's Eve uh, this past year in overtime in the uh, in the defensive zone to start that two on one with Alex Tuck to eventually set up the game winning goal to win the game. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what we are all expecting. I think it's a way too high of a standard for Dylan Cousins, but that's the type of game that he plays. And it seems like the type of person he is off the ice as well. So if Dylan Cousins turns out to be half of the hockey player and man that uh, Patrice Bergeron is, I think we'll all be happy with his career. So that's really yeah. saying something. And yeah, salute to an, an incredible legendary career. And I remember too, um, you know, watching highlights from that. I, I want to say it was the, it must have been the Olympics back in their primes when Crosby, Marshan, and Bergeron went on a line together. Oh, yeah. Talk about unstoppable. Those guys worked magic together. They were unstoppable. And, and on Olympic, I, I want to say it was an Olympic sized rink. Um, 2010. Yeah. I, know, I know at the Olympics, it varies between, you know, both, but uh, just an unbelievable display of just pure you know, hockey, pure hockey. You know what I mean? What, what, you know, what they would, what they did together uh, on route to, on route to gold, uh, you know, and I'd assume, I, I, I'm assuming that he, Bergeron was probably on that world cup team that won too. World cup of hockey. Yeah. I assume he would have been sure on that team. Um, but just an incredible, incredible athlete. Um, you know, I just, obviously I want to lead off the show with that. Just, um, I don't have a single bad thing to say about him. I can't remember a single moment on the ice where I ever thought, fuck that guy, fuck Patrice Bergeron. Other than maybe when he's scoring against Buffalo, you know, but not like, not, the, not that in his tenure in, with Boston was there ever in an important game, you know? Um, yeah. One but, of the, one of the best faceoff men ever too. I'm yeah. not sure what necessarily is a very good faceoff percentage, but he's nearly at 60% for his career. That's he was insanely good. And he was over he was over 60 for the last three years of his career. So that just shows the type of commitment that he um, that he played that he used towards the end of his career, probably when he wasn't at the height of his skills physically. And he was still one of the best faceoff men in the league. Uh, I think Sabres, a lot of Sabres fans will really, really speak to that, just given how bad the team has been at faceoffs for gosh, the past 10, 12 years, um, having a good faceoff man, especially in the defensive zone, that really factors in obviously to being a good defensive forward, but that yeah. was a trademark of his game, how good he was on the draws. And yeah, um, it, yeah it speaks to every single aspect of his game. Players like him go to show why faceoffs are extremely important in the game of hockey, because, you know, when it comes to maintaining possession, whether in the offensive or defensive zone, having a guy like that in your team, it makes a huge difference, you know, on important draws, especially when you have last change, um, you know, like it, it, it matters so much. Um, 
comment here from Matt. I hate to like a Boston player. I hate pretty much every Boston team, but you have to like Bergeron. It's true. He just he's just like he doesn't give you any reason to hate him. He really doesn't. Yeah. He was um, um he was never never under 50% for his entire career in face It's nuts. Um, only in his rookie or I guess in 2007, when he started taking draws, he was, he won 88, lost 87. And then the rest of his career, the lowest he had was 54.6%, um, won 1300, lost 9,000, like just ridiculous stuff. Um, and it's not, yeah. an easy, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, takes incredible timing and precision and toughness really, because sometimes you don't win the draw immediately and you have to fight for it and get it over and get it back, use your feet use your gloves sometimes. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, I, that's the part of his game. I, I'll remember most. Yeah. And it's what, like the amount of help he gave his defenseman in his own end. Like he went above and beyond whether it was blocking shots, knowing what lanes to get in, knowing where the puck was going to be uh, in the defensive zone, just being, being able, keeping things simple, not stupid. Um, you know, just using every facility around him to to play hockey well in his own end. Not just well, that's an understatement. But I, I just – and this is why I didn't hate that the Sabres brought back Zemgus Gergensens because I truly believe Zemgus Gergensens would be in the conversation for a Selkie every single year if he was like a 20-goal scorer. He would be. He would be. Because that's how good he is in the defensive zone. He's just that good. He takes care of business. He always has. And you're not going to find a guy who skates harder, either on the back check or the four check, than Zemgis Gergensen's on this team. You're just not going to. Because he knows his role, and he takes it seriously, and he takes pride in it. And if he was a guy that could score 20, 25 goals a year, he would be in that conversation every year. He would be. I'm not trying to make, you know, all the turn and say, hey, you know, let's talk about Zemgis Gergensen's. But it's true. Like, guys like that have such a huge value in the league. And I feel like it's very underappreciated how much having a guy like on that team, having having a guy like that on your team is needed. For us, it's just a shame that he doesn't have that score, same scoring touch that Patrice has, where you can use him in so many more situations. Yeah, Sabers haven't had that type of guy in a long time. And going back to Cousins, it seems like that is the type of guy who he could turn into uh, as he continues to develop his game and get stronger and get better in the defensive end, get better on face-offs because um, Cousins is going to score 25, 30 goals for his entire career with the amount of skill that he has and the amount of speed and the power of his shot and everything else. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I would love for him to turn into a, a perennial Selkie candidate. Um, if anyone can do it, I do think it's him. And uh, yeah, it seems like potentially there's a passing of the guard in the Atlantic division here. Uh, Boston's going to look a lot different without him. I think, Part of the reason they were expected to uh, go all out in the playoffs as they as they were this year and they really sold the farm for everything that they did was because they had a pretty good feeling that this was Patrice Bergeron's last season. So it makes it even a little bit more disappointing that they lost in the first round after having such a historic first first um, historic regular season. But sometimes just that that's the way it is. They got a bad draw with Florida, um, but doesn't take anything away from his career. Um First battle Hall of Famer, uh, just an absolute legend, Patrice, Patrice Bergeron. Yep. And, um, you know, you look at that team and it make it kind of where they go now. Nobody really scares you down the middle there anymore. It's all on the wings. I mean, you, you just don't replace a guy like Bergeron. I still think he had, like, close to 30 goals last season. Like, yeah. at, at, at the age of 
I want to say he's 30. He just turned 30, turned 38 yesterday. Yes. So you just don't replace a guy like that with anybody. I don't care who, I don't care if you have, have pasta and, and Marchand on the wings. Like you, you just don't find that guy anywhere. Like, so I don't know what direction I, I would say that Boston, at least in the Atlantic division has the worst depth down the middle in the entire division right now. And that matters. And we know, we know, especially here in Buffalo, that how much that matters because, you know, we went such a long time without having a potent number one, number two center group, or not, not even just talking about four centers, just two centers that you could easily slot in as your number one, number two guy. Like we had Eichel and that was like Eric Stahl. You know, we, the, the last time before that would say Eichel and Eichel and, Eichel and O'Reilly, you know how that ended up didn't last very long. But like we were such so 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 thin down the middle, and I think it's the one. The, I think it's the most important position in the league to be deep at. To have four, at the very least, three capable centers who can who can contribute to a score, to contribute to scoring. We haven't had that. Now we do. Um, and now you look at Boston and look at their roster. Shit, man! Like they're gonna have to drive. They're gonna have to drive. They're gonna have to drive the play offensively from the wings. I mean, Pavel Zaka is their number one center now. Um, and I don't think anybody's afraid of no, nobody's afraid Pavel, of Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle, their second line center, Morgan Geeky, third line, Patrick Brown, who they re, who they signed this offseason as a fourth line center. Um, Milan Lucic is back, as we discussed, which yeah. I don't think anyone is afraid of him anymore. No. Um, all you gotta do is him, skate, all you gotta do is kind of try and skate, and you, yeah, you know, aside from him potentially uh hitting your goalie in the corner, but that's a different discussion, yeah. Um yeah, Boston's not nearly as terrifying as they were last season. Not of course, they're close. still going to be very solid defensively, and they, as long as they get Jeremy Swayman back, which it looks like they will, um, they still have one of the better goalie uh, one-two punches in the league, and their defensive unit is obviously pretty good, but they did lose Connor Clifton. Um, yeah, I would say the Sabres objectively have a better forward group. Um, they have a better forward group than a lot of teams in the Atlantic, and even, I mean, definitely in the Western Conference. But, yeah, like it's – not nearly as good as it was, and I would argue that they have a potential to not only not win the division, but potentially borderline wildcard team. Um, I really I'm, I, they could get a very good defensive performance as they did last season, but this team's not nearly as scary as it, as it has been recently. So we'll see. Yeah, and uh, one of the, the I mentioned earlier too, you know, away from the rink. You know Bergeron. I, I do know that during the obviously the scandal that happened in Chicago with Kyle Beach, it was Bruce Cassidy and Patrice Bergeron that literally made their entire team sit down sit down together and watch the Kyle Beach interview with uh, Rick Westhead. You know because he thought it was important that everybody see this and know the impact and essentially you know come face to face with it. And if this ever happens to one of your teammates, that don't ever put winning before what's right, which is what happened in Chicago. Uh, whether, you know, you want to speculate, you know, if play, what players knew, how many players knew, who knew, um, you know, he made them sit down and watch that. And that's, that speaks to a true leader. It really does. Sorry, my thing is moving. Uh, it speaks to a true leader uh, because, you know, he puts character over a lot of things. And that was a situation where he did. And I'll, I'll transition that too. Obviously, in our next, as we mentioned earlier, uh, chairman 
of the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, w. Rockwell Wirtz, better known as Rocky Wirtz, passed away today at the age of 70. Um, I, I've spoken quite a bit in the past about my thoughts about Rocky Wirtz. Um, you know, even after the Kyle Beach scandal, how we handled it with uh, Mark Lazarus during a, a, a town hall, essentially. Um, listen, I feel bad for his family. I, I I feel bad, you know, whenever you lose a loved one. Um, it's not, it's terrible. But I'm not going to sit here and mourn the loss of Rocky Wirtz. Just not going to. Um, because speculation or not, I believe that he didn't know about what happened to Kyle Beach and put, as we just spoke about before, put winning before what was right. So, sorry, you know, rest in peace to Rocky Wirtz. And I, I apologize, you know, you know, I feel I feel for him and his family, but I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I I thought he was much older, seventy years old, um, and it's described as sudden too. So, obviously, very tragic. Um, you can never discount that, regardless of the situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, Blackhawks organization has been pretty problematic for a long time now, and uh, it seems like they're at least trying to make amends for it, for, for all the hurt that they've caused and the problems that have occurred in the past 10 to 15 years. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a weird situation when this type of thing happens, you don't know necessarily how to feel. And mm. other than, other than of course, feeling bad for the family, you don't want to publicly trash the guy, but you can't ignore um, the things that he uh, oversaw or ignored yeah. or turned a blind eye to in the process it of, uh, running an organization like that. It's kind of like when Bobby Hall passed away last year. Yeah, um, you want, you, like, you know, it sucks. You know, Brett Hall, obviously, USA hockey legend. Uh, unfortunately, he had his impact on Buffalo back in 99. Um, but it's hard to ignore the major black eye to the game that he caused, you know, not just to the game, but to the people around him. And the same thing with Rocky Wirtz. I just, you know, I don't want to really contribute a ton of time to him. You know, I, I, you know, he's part of an original six franchise. Um, you know, won many cup, won, won a few cups. You know, maybe at the expense of what was right. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, feel bad for his family, um, and I'll just leave it at that. You know, I don't want to dedicate too much time to it because. I have feelings that I just won't share on here about him. So um, other things to talk about, you know, um, contract stipulations. I know we kind of talked about it before we came on live because we're kind of ignorant. I am ignorant. You might be a little ignorant about how those things work. Obviously here in Buffalo, you heard about Naeem Hines running back for the Buffalo Bills, most notably remembered for his two touchdown performance last year against new England in the playoffs was it in the playoffs or the final game of the season, final game of the season. It was the, the season. it was the first game after um, the DeMar Hamlin game, DeMar Hamlin. Yes. Um, opening, opening kickoff to the game. He runs it back for a touchdown. Like the announce, you know, the announcer during the game, I think it was Romo. Uh, I forget who Romo and who some, somebody else. Jim Just Nance. storybook. Jim is a Jim Nance. Yeah. Yeah. Just absolutely storybook. Um, the way that all played out. And then he did it again later on, I believe on a punt return. Um, Another kickoff return, two kickoff returns. Was it two kickoffs? I thought it was a kickoff and a punt. Okay, two two kickoff returns. But, um, you know, yesterday, 
um, was sitting stationary as it was reported on Twitter. Um, do we call it Twitter anymore? Is it X? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they've officially changed the name yet. I know they've changed the logo and all of the branding, but as far as I know, I don't think they've got rid of the name completely. I refuse. I think as, as dumb as Elon Musk is sometimes, and as petty as he is, that would be so harmful to just like completely change the brand after everything it's already been through and it's 15 years of existence. I hate the new logo. I can't get used stupid. to it. It's just so stupid. Uh, well, but I think it still is Twitter for now. Okay. So as it was reported on Twitter, um, he was sitting stationary on a jet ski and was hit by another jet ski, uh, causing a major injury, ending a season. Um, now, I don't know how these things work, so I'm not going to talk like I do, um, especially for a different sport. But how do you feel about that? Like if you're, you know, we passed up. Okay, we passed up on DeAndre Hopkins. Cost too much money. We're interested, but, you know, now you find out with this happening with Naeem Hines, whether it's his own negligence, somebody else's negligence. Obviously, it's a freak accident. You don't want to tell players they can't enjoy themselves in the offseason. But now, because of that, you're on the hook for that contract for a player that you're not going to see for a single snap this season, who's not going to contribute anything to your offense. And you kind of look at it, it's like, huh, not so sure if I'm happy we brought that guy back now because we could have lost out on a potential game breaker and a guy like DeAndre Hopkins or OBJ or fill in the blank. So how do you feel about that? Should, you know, in all of sports, should there be stipulations in contracts? Like I know, Again, the way it was explained uh, yesterday that there is some stipulations of like water skiing and stuff like that. But do you believe when you pay athletes as much as you do that there should be stipulations in their contract? Uh, non-criminal stipulations. You know, you know, obviously, if a player is arrested for doing something heinous, that you should not be responsible for their salary. Yeah, well, I, I think there are. Like, especially with contact sports. Like, a lot of these guys, like, can't play basketball, can't go skiing. Um, can't do something that would legitimately put themselves at physical risk. Like obviously golf is not part of that. Like all of these guys golf in the off season. And as far as I'm concerned, like going on a jet ski, like especially if it's been reported as it was, like this doesn't seem like an inherent risk involved with jet skiing. Like this seems like a freak accident that he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it was a really horribly unlucky situation. So I can't imagine that what happened here, especially if it is reported the way that it was, would be a part of that type of contract stipulation. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly think that it comes down to that type of situation. Like if he was playing pickup basketball, I know that's been a really common thing with athletes. Like they really stay away from it in the off season because like you never know what's going to happen with a knee or your Achilles or your ankle or anything like that. But if you are putting yourself at risk from a legal perspective um, in another sport that could potentially hurt your chances of competing in your own sport, I think that's a different situation. I personally don't think this falls under that. I, it, I really do believe it's a freak accident and they're going to do right by him. By I, hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Paying him this season. He also seems like a really good dude. He's good in the community. Yeah. He's never had this type of thing happen before. Um, also, the contract wasn't that big. I think he took a number one, he took a pay cut to come back to the team this season. And it was said that he was at least going to get involved in the offense a little bit more. 
I mean, he is the third four string running back. So it's not like it would have had a massive impact nonetheless. And he would have been the main punt and kick returner as well. Um, so I really don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I think this is just a really unfortunate situation that hopefully it might end his Bills career. Like he, you know, who know who knows what's going to happen after this season, but hopefully it doesn't end his career in general. Like he's still Definitely a relatively either. young guy and he's explosive as we saw in that Patriots game and what we saw from his time with the Colts beforehand. Like he's a very good player. Um, very underutilized player. Yeah. And it, I, th- I think he just came at the wrong time last season. I, I just don't think he got – he had enough time to uh, ingratiate himself into the offense, but no, in terms of this, I really don't think it, it falls under that umbrella of, wow, you were doing something that you shouldn't have done. Like anytime you golf, like theoretically a golf cart could run into your knee and you're at the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and does that include under that umbrella, you doing something too risky outside of your own sport? Like, this really feels like a once in a lifetime type type situation. So I, I don't think it falls into that discussion at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree. Um, in terms of hockey, like, I mean, maybe there's a way, um, you know, maybe, maybe it is like this, you know, injuries away from the field, you know, non, non, non football, non hockey related injuries where if you do hurt yourself doing something that you're not supposed to be doing, you only get paid a percentage of your contract and the percentage that you're not getting paid does not count against the cap. Something like that. I think that, you know, we take risks walking out our doors every day. You know, I could get hit by a car when I walk out of my house, you know, get by a car when I leave my house tomorrow, you know, I mean, look at Jack Quinn, like he tore his Achilles when he was training, you know, like, like, was he, was he not, was he not supposed to be doing what he did? What court, what Bill's quarterback, was it that like his season almost ended or whatever? Cause he tripped on a rug. Oh, uh, Kevin Cobb, Kevin Cobb. Yes. I don't know if he, I, I, like it, it was, it was like, it was going to the stadium, like from the tunnel and he slipped on an area that was like next to like a rug or something. And yeah, um, that was also, I mean, that feels just like negligence to be honest, yeah. um, but uh, it's part of the bills, but mm-hmm. either way, um, yeah, I think there's a clear not it's not soup it's written into these contracts, I know from a legal perspective, but like this does not feel like it. It's that at all. And no, you, no, same, no. same thing with Jack Quinn. Like if you're training to improve your hockey game, like let's say it's on That's a, a hockey related injury. Yeah, on a football field or a track or anything like that, that that doesn't fall under it either. But if he's playing a pickup basketball game with his friends or something else, like these guys do that too, though. It's just a matter of like putting your, if it's super intense or if it's with people you don't know, or if it's not just like shooting hoops in the backyard, like you got to be really, really careful because there is a lot of money on the line. There's a lot at stake. So um, maybe it emphasizes it's right before training camp and maybe it it emphasizes that point for the rest of the guys on the team. Who knows? Um, And same with the Sabres and like with with Jack Quinn as well. It's just really unfortunate from, from both perspectives because it seems like, two guys that had an opportunity to really, really contribute for both teams this mm-hmm. season. And, to, and now you have a guy in – who's the other running back? Um, Damian Harris or Latavius no, Murray? Latavius Murray, a guy who's yeah. like six foot three, but moves like he's the size of like a Naeem Hines. Now a guy who's always been consistent throughout his career. Now he now he gets an opportunity. Yeah, it seems back. like he was going to be the, the third running back anyway. Um, so – it really depended on how they were going to use Heinz regardless. We don't need to get into the football aspect too much. But when I heard it, 
it's obviously unfortunate for him, but it, it doesn't make that much impact on the Bills this season. I really don't think so. No, no. I, I mean, again, I, I think the running back position is James Cooks to lose. For sure. Um, Damian Harris. I, I, I mean, I, I'd be cool with a 60-40 split because I think Harris is a good north downhill runner, a guy who can find seams, find holes, you know, but can still break a tackle. Um, I, I'm excited for this this Bill season. And, you know, if, you, if you're active on Bill's Twitter, you've already seen the Dolphins fans have been running their mouths left and right for some reason. Uh, they do. Uh, huh? That's what they do. Offensively, I just they don't scare me at all. The Jets scare me more than the Dolphins. Um, yeah. I think the, I think I think Aaron Rodgers has some of the best weapons he's had. You know, obviously outside of um, uh, why can't I think of his name? Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. Yes, um, Devontae Adams. The deepest set of receivers he's had in a long time. He's also older than Patrice Bergeron, and yeah. if you saw the picture, uh, they put out yesterday of their new uniforms. The all-white uniforms are actually wearing week one against the Bills. He legitimately looks like he could retire tomorrow. He yeah. has more gray hair than I've ever seen a quarterback had probably since Brett Favre when he yeah. went from the Packers to the Jets. Uh, I personally think his career is in decline, and there's a potential Russell Wilson to the Broncos type situation uh, going on next season for him, but I guess we'll see week one. Uh, wait, Russell Wilson. Oh, you, what do you mean, Russell Wilson? The, the, the decline that he has. Oh, in, in okay. Yeah. Uh, I do I, think I don't, that. I don't think anybody saw that coming from Russell Wilson. No. And I just yeah, I don't And know. he had such good wide receivers. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers had some good wide receivers last season, and he had a pretty good offensive line, and he did not look very good at all. So I, mean, I don't know if he had great wide receivers. Lazar, they were fine. He's, he's, he has a couple of them on the team with him this season. Obviously, Garrett oh, Wilson's oh, better. Yeah, but... in, in New York, yes. But in Green Bay last year, eh, yeah. like, I don't know. I, Lazar, I, I, I really Lazar don't was think... their number one with 800 yards receiving. So Yeah, I, um, I don't – I really don't think he's he's what he used to be. But No, no, just, no, not at all. Maybe not, that's just me being optimistic as a Bills fan. Yeah, I, but, I, but my point is they scare me more than the Dolphins and Tua. They just – the yeah. defense in the defense in Miami is probably more frightening than you know, than for me than what Miami, even with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. You know, depending on what happens to Tyreek Hill with his legal troubles, like you still have two as your quarterback. Yeah, you know it's yeah. Who knows, if, who knows if he's actually going to play a full season? Yeah, so. two two does not scare me at all. Anyways, um, rainy free agents and of course Eric Carlson still. Not traded. Um, still looks like the lead candidate could be the Carolina Hurricanes, but you know where? How much longer is this going to take? It was like two weeks ago. Elliot Friedman said this should be happening in the next couple days, and we're still sitting here with no Eric Carlson trade. I'm just convinced that there's going to be no hockey news for the next like month and a half, and we're just going to sit here until training camp in like mid to late September, and then it's eventually going to pick back up, and guys are going to decide on where they want to go. It just seems like it's just like purgatory or just like a dead period. Like nothing is happening. Everyone's trying to yeah. figure out their cap. Of course, like Rasmus Dallin and Owen Power haven't signed their extensions yet. And I have to think that's like somewhat cap related and number crunching and everything to do with that. Um, the Hurricanes did sign Tony D'Angelo yesterday. And at least happen. the response to that felt like, oh, maybe Carlson might go to the Penguins or he might go somewhere else instead. It's only a one-year, $1.6 million contract, so it's not like it's absolutely earth-shattering as far as a cap perspective. But Tony D'Angelo is 
strictly an offensive defenseman. And they already have Brent Burns and they already have uh, Jacob Slavin on their team, who's obviously a little bit better defensively. Um, so, yeah, I'm not exactly sure that would affect it too much because I think the Hurricanes are going to go for it regardless, mm-hmm. especially with the Bruins being out of it and the Panthers getting better. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like it's kind of a, a staying period right now. Not not too much is happening. And you got to think it's some, something related to the cap and where it is in the state of the league. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, yeah I would say sometime, hopefully, in the next month. Yep. I, I mean, that for me uh, – that for me is just like the next big move, you know, I mean, Patrick Kane, wherever he decides to go, wherever he decides to sign, like, okay. I mean, he's long, he's getting long in the tooth. Tarasenko, same thing. I mean, you, you look at the names that are left in free agency uh, defensively. I would say, you know, Matt Dumba probably has the most to offer on the entire list because he's because of his age. Uh, even though his play has declined over the last couple of years, um, He's still a defenseman, I think, with a change of scenery. could be very, 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 you know, could contribute quite a lot. He's only 28, and he can log over 20 minutes of ice time in game. Um, Nick Holden uh, with the Ottawa Senators. He's a vet, 12 years in the league. But defensively, those are your two top two. And then you got Patrick Kane, David Krejci, who's probably retiring. Zach Parise, who's 38. Paul Stastny, who's 37. Tarasenko um, and Jonathan Tejus, who – I don't even know why he's on that list. He's never going to play. I don't. I think he should just retire with his health, and I, I I don't know where he goes personally. That's just yeah. I, I mean, a lot of these guys besides Carlson are all in the same boat, like way past their prime, way way older. Maybe not Tarasenko as much, especially in terms of injury issues. That doesn't seem like he really has had too many of them in his career. Um, but yeah, I the league's getting younger. As, as we've seen, like a lot of these guys who are draft picks in 20, 2020, 2021, um, they're all going to be in the league. And even 2022 and 2023, I think there's a chance that potentially the top five to ten picks in, in this past year's draft are all going to be in the in the NHL this season. So, Phil yeah. Phil Kessel is a free agent. I didn't even realize that. Who is? Phil Kessel. Yeah. He's. He's a cockroach. He just stays around. Um, he didn't contribute too much to the Knights Cup run. Um, so who knows if he'll find a spot somewhere. But yeah, a lot but of these guys on the older side, like it's going to, reality's going to hit really quick. And maybe that's what Patrice Bergeron was thinking himself. Like he just turned 38. He realized that the league is getting younger and faster and it's a different game than it used to be. So um, yeah, who knows what's going to happen with a lot of these older guys. Yeah, I mean, all all Kessel's done his entire career is slam glizzies and score goals. So love him. <laughs> love Phil Kessel. He's literally defied the odds of what your prototypical athlete is supposed to look like, and just he looks like me almost in terms of his body shape. He said, "See that goes yeah. out there and he scores goals." Probably your closest player comparable. Yeah, I, I would assume so. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna find an NHL player that like you could easily find also playing men's league. I would say probably Phil Kessel, but yeah. I'm sure his lower body strength is insane though. Yeah. Yeah. His legs are tree trunks. I imagine. Tree trunks, yeah. And it makes up for the flab up top. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, man. Again, there's just not a lot to talk about in terms of the NHL this week. Um, any, anything happening in men's league for you back, back out West? Anything? Um, we've won three games in a row. Uh, had a shout out my birthday and then we won, uh, yeah, you, you told us last week. We yeah, five to three this past week. And then uh, we have one game this upcoming Thursday to uh, – if we win, we're in the playoffs. And if we're not, we need some help. 
So we're basically the Bills and the Sabres of the past 15 years. We're right, right on the bubble. We're, uh, we're in the hunt, which is good because we were strictly out of it uh, for most of the season. I was away for a few games, and then uh, thankfully the, uh, the prodigal son has returned. Um, but, yeah, big game this Thursday at 10.30 p.m., unfortunately. So Chick, the Chicklets Cups is obviously back in Buffalo um, in October, and we're trying to get our team. I know uh, they they offered early registration for returning teams from last year. It's opened up. I think it opens up tomorrow. Did you I, play in it last year? Yeah, yeah. We uh, were in the top. We were in the top roller division, uh, and we got screwed in the semifinal to make it to the championship. Uh, we lost, I think, by two goals, but. The game-winning goal was scored. It's four on four, and they had six players on the rink mm. uh, when they scored said goal, and no goalie was pulled or anything like that. Um, and the refs were wearing sombreros and just not paying attention to anything. And there are certain rules in the in the roller in, in roller uh, for slap shots. Like for instance, you can't come above your waist for whatever reason. But in our division, where you have a handful of guys who all play pro like you are allowed to come up your waist with your slap shot. And they called a goal. They took away a goal from us for a high stick for stick being above the waist, which would obviously been detrimental for us, you know? So they called a goal back for that. And they called a goal, a goal when they had six guys out in a four on four, like it was just a mess, man. They got their refs out of a cracker Jack box, but I, I thought we performed well. Um, you know, I, I'm a stay-at-home D guy. I don't play goalie in roller. I refuse. Um, absolutely refuse to do it. I, I, to do. I, I've done it. I've done it a few times out here, and I absolutely hate it. Hate it. Hate it so much, dude. It's so much on your hips, your knees. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm gonna tear my ECL every single. Yeah, time. like it's just people don't understand. Like I get asked, my buddy Greg asks me every single session, you know, we do 30 and up. He's like, can you please play goalie? Please play goalie. We'll never lose a game. If you play not like, cause I was a stud uh, in street and roller. Like I was an absolute stud. Um, that's where I made my bones in goaltending before I made the switch to ice. But like once I went ice and everyone back, it's just like, just, well, yeah. why I'm not 21 anymore. I can't do that. And he's probably right. We probably wouldn't lose a game, but I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate it adamantly. I hate everything about it. And um, I would much rather just be a stay-at-home D guy, eat some pucks, you know, wear a few pucks. And um, it's just – it's actually – it's been this past session over the summer has been the toughest one. You know, I can't seem to come out of a game without a giant bruise somewhere on my body. Oh, yeah. I just got one the other day. Oh, Look at that. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I had one on my heel. So brutal. It's There's still a bump there on the heel of my foot. Uh, I actually tried to get out of the way of this shot. And this guy, he played a high level of hockey and he, he put all his weight into this shot and I saw it coming. And I was like, I have no problem eating a puck, but like, I, I, I'm like, I'm like, Nope. Tried to get out of the way of it. Let my goalie see it. And I turned, I made the mistake of turning my foot sideways while I'm trying to get out of the way and like kind of scoop myself out of the way. And it just crushed me right in the heel second I took that boot off, the whole foot started to swell up. The bruise was unreal. And there's still a tiny little bump there uh, on the foot. Uh, and every time I put my goalie skate on, I, it hurts. It hurts because, you know, when you put – I have an older boot. I don't have one of the newer types. I still, I still wear the clown shoe goalie skate. And uh, it hurts, man. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts a lot. So, yeah, man. I don't know. But, 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm about, about out of stuff to talk about. Again, that's yeah. how slow it's been. That, that time of year, there's uh, there's not too much. I keep saying it, but next week, potentially, Don Lean and Power might sign their extensions. Yeah, that was supposed <laughs> to be done on July 1st, remember? I know. That was supposed maybe, to be I'm not going to. Maybe We're by August. Stop who reported that, but it was supposed to be done on July 1st. Yeah, I. who knows? Honestly, like August is even slower than July for, for NHL oh, news. Man, I so. hate going down. You know, you, you kind of forget about the whole uh, Darlene Owen Power thing. It's like, why aren't they signed yet? It'll happen. You know, um, the recent announcement in, Bill, in Bill's owner, you know, from Bill, from the Bill side of things, obviously Tara Pugula taking over as president of the team, uh, obviously with his wife still dealing with her health issues. Uh, Obviously he's taking over, but um, Jonathan Roth, who was hired uh, to help with the, I forget his job position with like chief, chief operating officer for the Sabres in PSC is now also doing the same thing essentially for the bills, which I'm not really sure how that makes sense. Why you're going to have him do both. Um, I understand you have a ton of trust in the guy, but I, I just don't understand. Like, and that's big news. Like there are a lot of moves made. The guy, uh, forget his name, uh, essentially bridged the deal for the stadium. He yeah, Ron, Ron Rakuyo. Ron Rakuyo, yeah. He was a big, played a huge, the biggest part in getting the stadium deal done. And he randomly steps away without really any reasoning why. <laughs> why? I mean, he made a statement that he, uh, you know, he wants to, you know, the typical i want to pursue i'm excited to pursue other endeavors yada 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 but i mean he had a pretty well-paying job here in buffalo a job of much importance and you think he would have wanted to see this stadium deal thing through see that you know see it to its end i mean you were integral in getting it done and he moves away um i believe roth takes over that position um a guy who previously before coming to work for the sabers and psc was with Fidelity Investments, and I think he worked with acquisitions, um, which I think led to the rumor of is the say are the Sabers on sale in some way, shape, or form. Now he moves over to that same position with the Bills, and it's just I don't know really know what to think of all that, you know, like, and still we don't have a president of hockey operations in Buffalo, and now I just don't understand it. Yeah, I think it's all above my pay grade. To be honest, I think from a business perspective, I think a lot of stuff happens behind the scenes that we're not really privy to that I could never begin to comment on. Um, so hopefully it's for the best. Hopefully they have a plan and the transition goes smoothly. It seems like this Roth guy, like you mentioned, he has a strong business acumen. So hopefully that helps from that perspective. And other than that, it seems like Kevin Adams and Don Granado have a pretty good hold on the organization which we haven't been able to say for a long time. Um, so I don't think the president of hockey operations is as important or is, or is as like necessary as we thought it was going to be previously. And with the bills, obviously Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott uh, have a stranglehold on that organization. And it seems to be in a really, really good place aside from the lack of long-term playoff success as we've seen in the past few years, but yeah. perennial, perennial contender guys want to come here. Uh, the team is in way better shape than it was six years ago. Uh, so I don't think we could ever complain about that. And yeah, I, I think it's obviously complicated with the Kim Pagula situation too, because 
We don't know the status of her health. We don't know everything that's transpired with that. Obviously, Terry Bagula has a lot on his plate in terms of running both teams and overseeing the staffs of, of PSE as well. So I think there's a lot going on there, and it would be um, it would be wrong to state an opinion on that without exactly knowing the inner workings of everything. So I just hope it works out for the best and each team can be as well managed as we think they are from the levels that we can see on a daily basis. I don't, I, I'm, when I, when I say like president of hockey ops too, I don't mean like the way we maybe meant it five years ago, because yeah. I agree with you, uh, Kevin Adams and Don Granado, you know, at least from a viewer standpoint, you know, us looks like they have things under control, but with everything that's going on in Terry's life, both professionally, business-wise, and personally, it's kind of hard to be the decision maker in when it comes to everything. And now you have this guy sharing responsibility with the Bills. Not that he was that guy. You know, who is going to be overseen? I, I would just like there to be somebody that can oversee what's going on at the lower levels with the Sabres. I guess. I, guess. Like, I just... You know, not somebody that's not just there to make hockey decisions, but business decisions for the Sabres. You know, our arena ranks near the bottom, if not the very worst in the entire league. It, you know, I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to say Arizona State is in a better shape than eight. You know, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, well, I can't remember the name of her own. Well, Key Bank Center. Uh, Key Arena, right? I, I almost said, pardon? It's Key Arena, right? No, Key Bank Center. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, it just goes to show you don't live in Buffalo anymore. <laughs> I honestly thought it was Key Arena. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, look it's Key, Key Bank Center. Um, but you know, I uh, I would like to see Bank. more people have this, you know, some transparency with that. You know, it, it we all see the writings on the wall that this team is going to be a successful team for the foreseeable future, maybe as early as next season, but. How about the fan experience? Not with just on the ice, but not sitting in seats that have experience. You know, I've every every year I spend in the arena. Just there's certain parts about it that are just terrible, and you know we're far below the average. You know, in terms of fan experience, you know, and it sucks to see, you know, hockey markets that maybe, you know before a team came in there like Nashville that you never thought would be a hockey market would be a good hockey market. Uh, be have, you see their fans have so much fun at games. And I just like, I want that here in Buffalo so badly, you know, I, we just don't have it. And I guess I would like somebody in charge that's there to make those decisions. Much like what Ted black was early on when Pagula bought the Sabres and what LaFontaine I believe was supposed to be. Uh, before that whole debacle. But anyways, um, if you're all out of stuff to talk about, I'm all out of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I think I'm good. We'll see what happens here in the next week or two. But um, yeah, hopefully more news. Uh, it's actually, a slow time of year. And actually, um, Did yeah. you watch that show, The Quarterback, yet? No, I haven't. I've heard it's not great. I've heard a lot. I, I was told that if you don't want to like Patrick Mahomes, don't watch it. I mean – I'm not going to like him regardless. So. <laughs> um, there's that. And it was obviously announced, I think, that uh, Josh Allen will be the next quarterback featured on the quarterback. Oh, did they announce that? Um, did they announce that? I, I saw something on Twitter about it. 
I saw that they had the quarterbacks picked out, but not if they were announced or not. But if that's the case, that'd be amazing. If that is true, that's extremely exciting. Um, and uh, I'm actually an episode and a half away from finishing Sons of Anarchy, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, there's like 25 minutes left in the episode I'm on now, which I'll go finish after this. And then I'm assuming the season finale is probably like an hour and a half long. But I'm super excited to see how that turns out and then start my next show, which, I mean, I don't know what that's going to be. But um, I did see uh, on Twitter today, were you ever privy to pro, be- pro beach hockey? No. You ever hear of it? I haven't, no. So down in Florida, ESPN2, they used to, it was like, it went on for like two years. It was called pro beach hockey. And it was played on pavement in a, in a rink, in a rink, but behind the nets there were vert ramps essentially like if you went behind the net to get the ball you went up on a vert ramp essentially around the back of the net they played with those hockey balls i think that had the water in them and they think they played three on three or four on four played in extremely hot weather obviously on blacktop which is nuts but somebody somebody tweeted about it today and uh i wish they would do an espn 30 for 30 on where those guys are today that played pearl beach hockey because I, I think you would be into it too, man, because yeah, you can watch clips. Sounds entertaining. I mean, sla- I don't know if you saw Slam Ball is back. Um, I didn't see that. Slam Ball is back, and that sounds like the uh, basketball version of Pro Beach Hockey. So it's not out of the question. No. And we w- w- with uh, I saw Grinelli, obviously, from Barstool today. He tagged Buffalo Riverworks in a tweet about that. It's like, can we make – can we incorporate the Chicklets Cup somehow into, you know, Pro Beach Hockey? And they t- – not that that would happen, probably wouldn't, but that would be fun if come October when I go to go to gather a, puck, a ball be, or a puck behind the net, I gotta go vertical. It sounds Definitely like worth watching. It, like it sounds a, like a cool. career-ending injury waiting to happen. Uh, my age, yeah, maybe ten years ago for sure, but you know, yeah. yeah. And I think they wore special skates too. It wasn't just they weren't just roller hockey. Your normal roller hockey team. They wore special skates too to do that stuff. Yeah. But, anyways, dude, we can wrap this up. Uh, remember, everybody, this is brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case over on Georgia Run Boulevard. Uh, just tell them the guys from Two Goalies on Mike sent you. Um, early. It's been fun. Uh, we will be back next week. Hopefully, uh, I know he had some uh, some issues come up this week. I know he announced last week Andrew Peter was supposed to be on with us t- uh, tonight. But uh, he had to cancel last second, unfortunately. Um, hopefully, he'll be on with us next week. We'll see. But uh, this is episode 133 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne for Connor Hurley. Hurls, we will talk to you next week. See you later. And go Sabres. Hey, everybody. This is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, Hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwrecksports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. Hi. 
I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.